Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hey, everyone. We are back in the Hammered Sports Lounge, where we belong for doing this thing, right, Tom? Absolutely. It's good to be back in the lounge. We got a football game. We got multiple football games on, but we got NFL action as we're recording Thursday night. Yeah, we're a night behind this week, but, you know, that's, uh, yeah, well, we should get the pot. I'll have the pot out tomorrow morning, so make sure that it's available for everybody on Friday. Um, Back to the old format this week, Tom, with a little bit, some tweaks, some additions. Um, Let's talk about what we've got ahead of us tonight, Tom. Yeah, so we're going to go into some college football. We're going to preview a few of the big games. We're going to do an NBA preview with the Atlantic and Central Divisions on the East. we got a new segment called Hammered Takes. This week we're discussing our NFL MVP. We're going to preview UFC 256. Preview some big games in the NFL this week. And then, of course, our picks of the week coming at you to close the show. Beautiful. So let's jump right in with uh, the best college football games of the upcoming weekend. And, you know, we've got some interesting ones, some rivalry games out there. Yeah. Um, you know, not a, not a ton of, like, huge, like, here, this game is a must-watch TV or anything like that. Yeah, but it's kind of lacking that feel for being the last regular week before championship weekend where college football, but there's still some really good games. Yeah. And, you know, I'll jump right in with a game that catches my attention. Um, The USC-UCLA rivalry. Uh, I love that game. It's it's always a fun game. It oftentimes provides some surprising results. A big rivalry between those two. Chip Kelly's making some progress with the UCLA program finally. Um, I think that that team could end up being all right as he, you know, under his guidance. It's a... uh, it's a group that made a great comeback last week uh, to come out on top. They've got a fun kind of explosive offense, and they play pretty good defense. USC is very explosive on the offensive side yes. of the ball. Uh, Amonre St. Brown, we were just talking about it. I think Drake London is the other wide receiver out there. Um, Keaton Slovis just chucks it around. The one thing that I heard this week, USC ran the ball 20 times for 5 yards last week. Gross. That scares me, and that's that tells enough. me this game will be closer than a lot of people might expect. They have the lines two and a half right yeah. now, so it's it's pretty tight. I mean, USC's got a lot right on it. They can get to five and zero. Oh. If they win, they actually clinch their berth in the Pac-12 championship game as well. So a lot riding on for them. UCLA obviously would love to snuff that out and and really dim the hopes there. That would be so. I I had that game on my list too. I also have uh, Georgia versus Missouri. I think this game is for some similar reasons. Georgia's still trying to get into that New Year's Six Bowls. Obviously, probably going to miss the they're going to miss the playoffs, which is a disappointment. But they they got a shot at a New Year's Six game again if they can beat Missouri. I think that really puts them in that mix. Missouri's won five of their last six. They're kind of coming along, coming together. I think it should be a lot of fun to see Missouri's offense versus Georgia's defense and how that kind of yeah is out. Georgia's defense able to snuff them out and, and stop their yeah. Uh, you know, really their progress that they're making on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I was on Missouri last weekend. Yeah. Uh, minus three. And they get to a point in the game where 
Uh, Arkansas goes down, scores the touchdown, extra point ties the game. Instead, they go for two and take the lead by one. And Missouri goes down and kicks the field goal yeah. to win the game. So I end up losing. The, it was minus two and a half, I remember now. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, I know we, I'm not going to cover this now because they're just going to kick the field goal to right. win the game. Um, really fun, crazy game back and forth last week, too. So yeah. Arkansas um, is going to be interesting to watch next year. They, they've made a huge step forward. I mean, I think when we are talking about the SEC preview, we thought they'd be a little better, but I don't think anyone would suggest they'd be this good. Right. Yeah. Um, Last weekend, you had Coastal pulling out the big win against BYU. How awesome was that? That was a fun game. Crazy the way it ended. Just yeah, lived up to everything you could have hoped. Yeah. Um, Arizona State-Arizona is another rivalry game happening this weekend. Um, Arizona State's favored by 11.5 in that game. Um, that's a Friday nighter. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. I'll be watching that tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be a fun game to tune into late. Uh, actually, 7 o'clock. Um, Maybe I won't be. Yeah. And um, you know, usually those games end up tight and yeah. crazy things happen. So eleven and a half points is a lot of points in that game. But Arizona's looked really bad lately. Um, I got UNC Miami. I think that's one of the yeah. best games of the week. Uh, again, Miami's still clutching the try to get into a, a New Year's Six bowl, get the big paycheck for that. Obviously, I think it means more than anything this year with no fans and just loss of money for a lot of these programs. So. A big New Year's Six check could change a little bit of that. And UNC can play football, you know. That's Yeah, they, their game last year was amazing. UNC won 28-25 and just a great back-and-forth game. Yeah. Miami's obviously different with D.R. King, but should still be a fun game. UNC's been putting up points like crazy. And we'd be remiss if we didn't mention... The uh, game of Ar- the week? Army-Navy. Yeah, the game you know, of the week. Yeah, I mean, um, Navy getting seven points in this game. Um should be interesting. This is the first time I actually wrote this down. First time since 1943, one of the serv- one of these two teams is playing at home. Yeah. Of COVID, they moved it to Mitchie Stadium, at, which is at West Point. And uh, first time since 1943, and that was because of World War II was going on. They game day is going to be there. Yeah, that's where game day is going on Saturday. It's gonna. It's, it should be a lot of fun. I'm. I mean, I'm always interested in the Army Navy game, no matter what their records are. It's always usually it's isolated though; it's by yeah. itself, you know, and yeah. and garners a lot of attention. This year, it's got to compete with some other stuff going on, but you know, still, I think it'll draw a good number of viewers. I think that a lot of people are interested in watching this football game every year, including myself. Who doesn't love watching option football going back and forth? Yeah, and uh, it just all the all the uh, service members in the, in attendance makes it a lot of fun to see them getting all rowdy and cheering for the teams obviously i don't know how that'll look this year but right it's usually fun to watch so that's kind of your slate of the games that we think are highlights of the weekend exactly. and we'll go over uh you know a couple more games later when we talk about the bets that we like to make um so maybe you'll see some of them in there yeah could be a little, a little tease for later yeah absolutely so, so let's uh what's next on the agenda tom the atlantic division of the nba it may not feel like it, but tomorrow night starts NBA preseason basketball. Pretty excited about it. Uh, the, the start of the season is only a couple weeks away now, and Kevin's going to start us off with his preview of the Atlantic Division champions, the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors, and uh, I so I've broken it down into their projected starters. Um, the Raptors. The thing about them is there's no real changes with this team they've they've decided to kind of uh continue with the same core of players that they have um kyle lowry 
at point. Fred Van Vliet will play shooting guard and slide over to point guard when Lowry needs a rest. Um, OG Ananobi at small forward. Pascal Siakam at power forward. And Aaron Aaron Baines playing at center. So there are no real major changes with this team, uh, which is interesting to see, but this group will look to run it back after having a really nice follow-up to that championship season, even without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Pascal Siakam took the steps forward. Um, he's a really good fo- football. <laughs> been in the football mindset. Really good basketball yeah. player. Um, this organization's been... The thing about them is they build talent from within. They draft talent, they build them up, and these guys become stars. And you're seeing that Ananobi's the next guy that you can see really taking those big steps forward. Uh, Van Vliet, I feel like, is a serviceable uh, starter for sure. Um, I don't know if he's a top 20 player in the league, top 30 player in the league, uh, but he's going to do a good job you know, being in that backcourt with Lowry. So I think this team will continue to be competitive until you know when Lowry kind of loses a little effectiveness with age. He's getting up there a little bit. Um, or, you know, Ananobi or Siakam eventually move on. Um, then you might see a transition. But otherwise, this team, you can kind of expect them to be competitors near the top of the East for years to come. This is still going to be a top four team in the East. And I've kind of broken it down into, are you a top four team? Are you a bottom tier playoff team? Or are you probably out of the playoffs this year? And that's kind of how I've done it. So that's what I see for the Raptors this season. And I would say that... Um, you know, really, the um, uh, the the big thing is, can they overcome the talent of some of the other teams in the East in the playoffs? Yes, uh, they seem to they seem to play really well as a team last season. I liked watching the Raptors play. I thought they could really give some teams a, a hard time. Didn't really pan out that way, but pretty good team all around. I, I'm up next. I have the Celtics of Boston. 48-24 last season. Um, again, not a ton of changes on this team. One big one, though, is uh, Gordon Hayward's moving on. Um, they've brought in uh, Tristan Thompson to give them a little bit of spark off the bench, some rebounding, some defense, some toughness. Someone who has that playoff experience, I think that'll be big for them as they go through you know, what seems to be another another run in the playoffs. And I think the biggest one is Jeff Teague. Adding Jeff Teague, he's going to be able to give Kemba some some time off, right? You don't have to have Kemba in there the whole time because you have somebody who can come in, play some basketball, score, not turn the ball over. They had a real hard time with that last year. Um, so big big there. And um, I'm not sure they lost much with Gordon Hayward. Listen to his numbers in the five playoff games he played. 10.8 points in five games. Uh didn't really help you that much. Teague last year averaged 24 minutes, 11 points, 5 assists. That's a great production off the bench to come in for Kemba. So I see them kind of just carrying on the same thing. I'm not sure if they're going to be better than they were last year. I think this is a, a maybe a, uh, a step back for them as far as results go. They're still going to make the playoffs. They're still going to be pretty good. But I think some of these other teams that we're going to talk about in the East have, have caught them or passed them. Jason Tatum's becoming a superstar. Yes, though. Jason Tatum is nasty, but I just think overall this this team did not do enough to have as a supporting cast last year. It was Tatum and Kemba. That was pretty much it. You've added Teague and Tristan, which are nice, but I don't think they're enough to get you over that hump to the contending group 
where you're really going to be able to make some hay, make some noise, or scare anybody on the list. Right. And uh, who's next on the list, Tom? Kevin was going to do the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, the 76ers. And I got to tell you, when I was doing this projection for the 76ers, I looked at them and I thought, why are you talking about trading for James Harden? (laughs) Why is this a thing? Because when I look at this roster, I love the way it's constructed right now. Their projected starters, Ben Simmons at point guard. No, he can't shoot the three. So what? He creates. He drives to the basket. He's got so many mismatch opportunities. You you don't need a point guard that shoots the three when you've got somebody like Danny Green at shooting guard cashing threes for you. He's going to create opportunities for Danny Green. He's going to create opportunities for the small forward, Matisse Teibel, who is going to be starting there this year. Had an impressive rookie season. Continued to get better throughout the course of the year. Um, Power forward, Tobias Harris. Great all-around basketball player. He can shoot it. He can drive. He can play underneath. He's physical. He's tough. And at center, Joel Embiid. Uh, Because he's a star. When, When he's right, he's a star. Yeah. Uh, he has the ability to do everything on the floor as a five, and you don't get that from very often. He's a modern center that can shoot the ball. He's good from the stripe, good from outside, drive, plays inside with a, a ferociousness. I really love what he does there. And then some of the other things, some of their key additions. Seth Curry, that's going to be a really nice piece to put with that backcourt. You know, if Simmons or Green need a rest, Seth Curry comes in. If Curry comes in the game and you've got Seth Curry and Danny Green on the floor at the same time, I think that's totally fine. That's not going to be an issue. Um, Curry can plug right in for Danny Green in a shooting guard spot. He can plug in at the point guard spot for Ben Simmons. And, um, you know, I I just think that the addition is is just so smart of these two guys. And then you have Dwight Howard, who's going to plug in as the backup. And Dwight Howard saw a resurgence. He looks great physically. He looks like he's in great shape. Yeah, never you know, been an issue for him. <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't look like he's hurt. He, he yeah. really had um, some shining moments on a championship team last year. Uh, goes to Philadelphia. He's going to be really nice insurance if Embiid needs a night off, if Embiid needs a night where he only plays 20, 22 minutes. Howard's going to plug in. He's going to get you 15, 20 minutes a night. And, you know, at times I could even see them going big with – Embiid sliding down to the four and Howard in at the five. And boy, you've got a, a defensive problem for people because you've also got 6'11 Ben Simmons on the floor. Yeah. So for me, I love this team. They, out of the teams I looked at for this week, they were my favorite. Uh, there's speculation they could train for Howard, or for Harden. I, I hope that doesn't happen because I love the way this is built. Um, this is a top four team in the East. If they develop the chemistry with the new players that have been added, this is my favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I we've talked about the Sixers before. I loved them last year and was a little disappointed in how that it, it kind of panned out in the bubble life for them. Yeah. But, I, I, again, I think this team is – they're better than the Celtics right now. If I look at those two rosters and I which one would I rather have – all day I'd rather have the 76ers roster and that the way the team's put together and just the – Pick the roster in the East that you like better. That's that's what I was. That was an exercise that I was doing today. This might be the next one. It's pretty good. Yeah, the starting five is better. I don't know about the, the whole depth though. The depth thing on this next team sucks. Yeah, 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. my my starting five I am talking about is the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are going to be they're getting Kevin Durant. So uh, they've lost a lot of people, and we're going to get into that in a second. But let's go over that starting lineup I mentioned: Kyrie Irving, point guard; Karis Levert playing two; Joe Harris at, at three; Durant at four; and DeAndre Jordan at five. It was a very good veteran group that is ready to go. I mean, they can match up. They lost a ton of guys off the bench. People like Jamal Crawford, Lance Thomas, Michael Beasley, Wilson Chandler. Um, just a ton of different guys they've lost. They did get Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. But again, I still think that bench takes a step back. They do get Durant back, which is obviously huge. They got a pretty good core group in that starting five. What can the bench add is the big question I had looking at this. Um, you know, Leverett last year had a 51-point game against Boston. He was an all-bubble second team with 25 points, 6.5 ass- assists, and 5 rebounds a game in the bubble. I mean, kid's just becoming a very good, consistent basketball player. So when you put him in that, top, in that starting five, it's great. But again, who in that bench is going to provide minutes and points and, and really get them down the stretch of a long season here? Um, shorter than normal, but still, we're going to be playing a lot of games in a short period of time. It's, it may be even tougher with veterans like Durant and Jordan to be able to st- take on that load. Well, I think overall the starting five is good. I would say this team, again, I, I would take them in a, in a series against Boston right now. But just that starting five against Boston starting five, I think it's it's obvious that this one would be better. But they got to make it through the regular season healthy. Yeah, absolutely. On to the is you, it the Indiana Pacers? No, 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 the New York Knickerbockers. The New York Knicks are New York Knicks. In are, case you're not yeah. aware, we're both I'm the on one team that we share here is uh, uh, share fandom of. So I'm. Uh, you know, I, I was tasked with the responsibility of coming up with the preview for the Knicks here. Yeah. And, you know, let me start with what the projected starters are. It's gonna, Point guard is the question mark. Is it going to be Alfred Payton? Is it going to be Frank Nielakina? Is it going to be Austin Rivers? Like, do we really know? I don't think yeah. so. It You know, it's hard to know because the biggest change that they have is Tom Thibodeau has taken over as yeah. the head coach. Um, with Thibodeau taking over, you don't really know what he values most. Um, Alfred Payton makes the most sense, I would think, for, yes. you know, his, uh, the plus-minus numbers were best with him out of all the point guard options last year. Um, that That's the position that is the biggest question mark and going to be the biggest hindrance for this team all season. As shooting guard, you've got R.J. Barrett. Uh, more than likely, he'll be playing a bunch of two this year because they drafted Obi Toppin who will likely plug right in at the three. The three, the four, somewhere, you know, maybe sharing some time. But I expect that he's going to get a lot of time. The only question mark there is Thibodeau's known to take his time with rookies in getting them playing time, too. Yeah. So he thinks that they need to learn and practice and develop and understand before they spend a lot of time on the floor in games. So we'll kind of see what happens there. Uh, Julius Randle will be at four for now. Um, there's a lot of talk that he could be traded at some point. I don't know if anything's going to happen preseason, um, but it may happen midseason. Um, and then at center is Mitchell Robinson, who is uh, a super athlete, really fun to watch. He's been working on his three-point shot, I guess. 
There's a lot of talk that they're trying to make him a more versatile center um, and stretch him out, get him taking more jumpers and improving his free throw shooting and all of those things. So I just read an article about it the other day. Yeah. Uh, the offseason saw little major activity. Um, they, they didn't get the star-studded name. They didn't get... Again. Yeah. <laughs> so their additions, Austin Rivers... Um, he's he's been a nice bench piece for a lot of teams over the years. Um, Alec Burks, uh, same kind of thing. Um, not really a, a you know superstar stud feeling addition, but a nice piece to have. Somebody that you'd want on your roster, not necessarily somebody you want to lean on. Uh, Obi Toppin in the draft, um, and then Nerlens Noel. Uh, will be competing with Mitchell Robinson for starting time at center. Uh, there's a lot of people that think that he has untapped potential. This is a guy that was, you know, a big, huge player coming out of college. This, everybody was all about Nerlens Noel. I think he was picked, what, number two or something overall? Um, oh, what do we got here? Special teams or defensive touchdown time? So got a defensive touchdown by the Pats, but I'm not sure he might have been down by contact. But holy cow, what a play. I don't know who this Miles Bryant. I'm not even really. Oh boy, yeah, Goff. Oh, yeah, man, he takes it right away from him. He's gonna be down, but is he? Because when he gained possession, was he down? Oh, oh. who knows? We'll, we'll find out. Um, that was close. What a play, though. So. My outlook for the Knicks, the Knicks are building for the future with short-term contracts looking for a big score in the 2021 offseason. Obi Toppin is an NBA-ready prospect, but his ceiling might not be the highest in the draft. Um, He is ready to contribute early on in his career, though. Um, It's all about the development of R.J. Barrett and Mitch Robinson. If they grow, this team will be much more attractive to the big-ticket free agent they're longing for. Um, The Knicks will be in the 8-12 to range when the season ends. I think that if everything goes great and Obi Toppin comes in and contributes and RJ Barrett develops and Mitch Robinson develops and you know Julius Randle you know stops trying to play bully ball by himself and they figure out a point guard to plug in there's so many ifs yeah they could get to the 8 seed but more than likely they're going to be 9 10 11 12 somewhere in there yeah a lot of it uh, for me hinges on what uh, what becomes of RJ Barrett this year last year you had some streaks where he was shooting well and putting up 18 20 points a game it looked like he's on his way to becoming you know a potential player in this league and then you had games where he would get 11 13 points and kind of disappear and so to me a lot for them and their development will be what does RJ do does he does he stay kind of yeah some good, some bad, or what? All right, Tom, where are you going next? Next, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. The great Milwaukee Bucks from last season. And uh, there's not too much to talk about with the Bucks. It's they're, they're rolling back mostly the same team. They got rid of George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, and they brought in Drew Holiday and Bobby Portis to replace them. I think uh, that's those are just a little couple swaps of guys here and there. The biggest thing for me will be... Um, there's three questions I got for the Bucks. One, when will you sign Giannis? If you sign him before the season starts, I think that's better for them. Get it out of the way. He's staying. It helps you maybe even make a trade at midseason. Now you know he's there. If not, what do you really do? Um, is Holiday going to be an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe? They're kind of counting on it. Holiday's a better three-point shooter. 
2019, he scored 19 points, six and uh, 6.7 assists. Can he come in and kind of settle that point guard roll down? I think when you had blood, so you had some games where he was really good, having big numbers, and then some games where he was just turning the ball over at ridiculous pace. Um, and then the big question: How are you going to perform in the playoffs? This team has been a regular season just monster, and then come playoff time, people are are able to beat them. Um, they lost a bunch of guys. I mean, they also lost Robin Lopez, Wesley Matthews, Kyle Korver. Um, so quite a few losses. Not as much coming back because they have to make room for that big contract. They're hoping to sign um, Giannis too. So that's it. Is Holiday an upgrade over Bledsoe? And are they going to be able to perform in the playoffs? That's the biggest thing they're moving on to Holiday for playoff time. Yeah, and it seemed like teams decided they were just going to close down Giannis' yeah. driving lanes. Pack you know, the lane. Let's pack the lane, let, not let him go with the bucket, force them to shoot it over the top of us. If they do, you know, good for them. And they will sometimes. There, There's no doubt they will periodically. Yeah, and I but, think Holiday gives them a better chance. He's a better yeah. three-point shooter, so... And he may, he, you know, he may just space the ball a little, uh, space the floor a little better. And mm-hmm. I think he's, he's got some more quickness than Bledsoe did, did you know. So um, they'll be a fun team to watch. Um, I, think the Bobby, I think Bobby Portis is a better fit than Robin Lopez for this team. So too. do I. Uh, yeah. We got to see Bobby a lot the last couple of years. He's a pretty good basketball player. You have, now you have the Pistons. And he explodes on offense. Yes, occasionally he will go nuts. You know, he, he explodes on offense, and, and that's a good thing to have to pair with somebody like Giannis. Yeah, absolutely. The Detroit Pistons, huh? Yeah. All right. Let's Detroit talk Detroit basketball. Yeah, the the best PA announcer in the game. So, uh, I'll drink to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about their projected starters. Um, point guard, it's either going to be Killian Hayes, the rookie that they drafted out of uh, Gonzaga, or it's going to be Derrick Rose. Um Hard to say which way that'll go. Depends on Hayes' development in camp. Uh, Delon Wright was brought in in a trade. Uh, he'll be playing more like more than likely the two. Um, Jeremy Grant uh, coming in from OKC, right? And he may have moved around a little bit since yeah. then, but Jeremy Grant is what you know a lot of people think is ready to take on a bigger role in the NBA, and that's a big question mark for them. At the four, you've got Blake Griffin. And what's the question here? Is he healthy? Can he return to form? Can he get back to what he was? You know, if he can, then, you know, he's a great player. And he makes a difference. Uh, at five, Mason Plumley. Um, you know, he's... He's vanilla as vanilla gets. He is, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they added three picks in the first round of the draft. Killian Hayes, um, Isaiah Stewart, the big man from Washington. He's an explosive big man that... Hopefully can, you know, hope plug some of the hole in the interior there. Um, if his development comes along quickly, he'll take some of that time from Mason Plumley And Sadiq Bey, who's the sharpshooter that they that they picked up, uh, like, around 20. Um, they signed Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley and Jalil Okafor, who will also be in that rotation for the four or five spots. Um, they lost Christian Wood, who, you know, was the guy that was kind of breaking out into his own. And uh, they traded away Luke Kennard, um, who was another one of their better players. Um, Griffin being healthy can change things for this team. How quickly can the young guys contribute with this group? Is Jeremy Grant ready for a big-time role? There are questions everywhere with this team. I think they're going to finish in the bottom three of the East. 
And I have another bottom dweller. They actually had the worst record, the fewest wins, I should say, of the East last year. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. And woof. Their roster is... Starting lineup. Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, C.D. Osman, Kevin Love, and Andre Drummond. Not a lot to get too excited about there. You got Kevin Love and his old legs and Andre Drummond and his one-dimensionalness. Yeah. And not a lot of helps, though, to really hang your hat on here. I mean, um, Sexton and, and Garland were both early picks, yeah. and neither have developed into anything in the yeah. NBA. That's that's really to speak of. Sexton can play a little bit. but Yeah, I mean, these are all... And he's still young. Sure. But then we have, you know, they lost Tristan Thompson, and they added Javal McGee, and just, again, nothing really to get excited about for Cleveland. Um, what well, looked like a pick six for the Pats. Oh, wow. He was called down. He was, yeah. The Pats get the ball and try to run a screen play, and Cam Newton throws a pick six instead. Wow. Crazy turn of events in this yeah. game here. Instead of 10-7, it's 17-zip. Well, when you bet the over, you don't care what side the points are on as long That's as they're going the truth. up. Um, so, yeah, I expect Cleveland to be at the bottom of the East again. I really think it'll be Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, and the Knicks probably battling it out for the bottom four kind of spots. And, uh, yeah, looks looks pretty gross for those that group there. Yeah. Um, that's it for the NBA preview. We'll have two more divisions next week and then wrap it up in two weeks with the final two divisions and our division winner and playoff prediction show. Awesome. So what do we got next on the agenda? Next tonight, we Tom? have Hammered Takes, our new segment where we're each gonna we're gonna pick a topic and kinda go at it what our what our hot take or lukewarm take or ice cold take is going to be here, and this week we're talking about NFL MVP. You know, a lot, lot of people have their favorites. A lot of people have who they think it should be. It's it's often debated as a hot topic around the league. So why not weigh in ourselves? Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I'm happy to jump in first and foremost here, if you don't mind. Yeah, rip it. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. All right. And I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers because, I mean, He's completing 69% of his passes. Um, his yardage isn't as high as Patrick Mahomes. He's thrown 36 touchdowns and four picks. Um, 8.18 yards per attempt. He doesn't have the same supporting cast that Patrick Mahomes has. Sure. And when he's putting up these numbers, having a great season, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is carrying this team on his back. I think he has a chip on his shoulder over the whole Jordan Love, you know, draft selection. Yeah. And he's balling out. He's doing what he has to do week in and week out. Uh, I, I'm just a, a huge fan of his performance so far. And to me, I think that, you know, Rodgers is the guy right now in my mind. Um, a lot of people are, think that it should be Patrick Mahomes, and, and I understand why. Uh, but I just look at the talent that the Packers lack at the receiver position, and I find it so impressive what he's able to accomplish as a passer. It's not just that there's a running game. There is a running game there in Green Bay, yeah. but it's not just that there's a running game. I mean, he's he's making it work with Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and one really good receiver in Devontae Adams. Maybe the best receiver in football this year. He's been yeah. awesome. 
and he's making Robert Tanyan appear to be a superstar tight end. Yeah. You know, they, these these guys, these are names that you wouldn't hear anywhere. Um, but Aaron Rodgers puts it between their numbers <laughs> and gives them opportunities. One, <clears throat> one play last week on their own two-yard line or so, I think it was, Rodgers just decides to let one rip from his own end zone and completes about a 45-yard pass in stride, and it was just... I mean, he throws the ball right where it needs to be. Um, Mahomes and Rodgers are so close. Um, I'm giving the edge to Rodgers because I don't think the expectations were as high for Green Bay, particularly the offensive expectations. So, for me, that's why I lean Aaron Rodgers. All right. Well, this worked out well because I'm going to lean towards Patrick Mahomes. I think we have very similar, I mean, completion percentage is 0.6% off. Got about 500 more yards for Mahomes passing, about 150 yards more rushing. Um, two uh, Mahomes has 31 touchdowns passing, two rushing to 36 and one for Aaron. Only two picks thrown by Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers actually has more fumbles than Patrick Mahomes, which I thought was odd of the amount of times Mahomes runs. But anyways, I think when you look at it, they're 11 and one. They're defending Super Bowl champions. Everyone's gunning for him every week. And you want to say that all these weapons, he does have Travis Kelsey, he does have Terry Kill, and then after that, Cole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle. I mean, these guys aren't exactly household names either after you get past Kelsey and Hill. Um, rookie running back. So I just think his And number... Le'Veon Bell in the backfield now yeah. for the last five, six weeks. Yeah, he's got 39 attempts. So Yeah. Um yeah, I just think that Mahomes is doing it. He's got his team at 11-1. I think the last four games for these two is really going to shake it out. I'm glad we both went with these two because there's a couple other people that get floated out there. I'm just like, eh. Yeah. But I really think it's a two-horse race between these two. They each have four games left. You know, if the Chiefs finish at 15-1, it's going to be tough for Rodgers to supplant him no matter what they finish at. But if they lose a game or two and it comes back to, to the records are a little even, because right now the numbers are really close. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and again, you know, for for me it was all about the weapons. It, it, the numbers are close enough yep. um, that the difference in the weapons for me was the the difference maker in my selection. So I'm uh, I, I I love that there's a debate here because I don't think it we're far off between these two guys. Period. No, no. So you know the fact that we're that we're on the opposite sides here, it it doesn't matter because I think they're so close. That, it's gonna shake out. Yeah. So, um, anyone else you want to throw out there is uh, not your guy, but uh, someone to consider? There's been talk of, of uh, Russell Wilson, um, yeah. but hes I, I feel like he's fallen off a bit. 11 and picks, 4 fumbles now. I mean, he seems to... He tries to do everything on his own. Kind of. Um, yeah. The interesting, you know, people say Aaron Donald. Yeah. You've got to be so incredibly dominant. And he is. At, at it's that just position. so tough. To... Yeah. He's yeah. definitely... MVP of you know defense. <laughs> yeah, he's the defensive player of the year. Will be his award. Right. It's so gross. But um, Dalvin Cook has been a stud. But this is a quarter. This is a quarterback award now. You know, and Dalvin Cook this time again. It's it's one of those things yeah. where he's never put sixteen games together. And yeah. that's one of the things. Uh, Derek Henry, I had on my list. Thirteen hundred yards rushing. He's got four games to go. This yeah. guy's got a legit shot at two thousand yards this year. Which yeah. if he gets to two thousand, I wonder what that conversation looks like for him 
Yeah. Thousand's not something that happens often. Yeah. I mean, seven hundred yards in four games, it's a bit much. It's a lot. But yeah. he's done it before. Yeah. Um, four point nine yards a carry, twelve touchdowns. P- pretty good season for him again. So that'd be the only other one I would throw out there is. Yeah. Just because he's not a quarterback, quarterback versus quarterback, it's Rodgers Mahomes. Yeah. But he's the only other p- player that's like, hey, I'm the best in my position. What's up? Right. Um, so Tom and I are going to take a quick break. Um, and then when we come back, give us the rest of the recap of what we're going to do here, Tom, tonight. Oh, next we're going to talk about the big UFC pay-per-view. We're going to preview our NFL big games of the week. And trust me, there's quite a few. And then the picks of the week. And we'll wrap up on the picks for the night. So, um, we'll be back with you right after this. We are back. And it's time for some UFC talk, right, Tom? Absolutely. UFC 256 this Saturday night. Um, we're going to, you know, rather than going through the whole card, we're going to pare it down. Tom's going to pick two fights that he likes, talk about them real quick, and then I'll jump in with two fights right behind him. Um, and uh, we'll see kind of, you know, what we like on this card. So, Well, going first, I'm taking the main event. Yeah. The championship fight, flyweight title, uh, Devison Figueredo, who's just been crushing humans, versus Brandon Moreno who has been efficiently beating people. Now, it's a style clash a little bit for me. Moreno likes to pepper people, kind of move, uses ability to get in and out, and Figueroa's just been running through, smashing people. He fights with an aggressiveness that you don't see a lot at the flyweight level. It's, it's, it's more... I mean, he doesn't fight like Brock Lesnar, but his intensity and, like, forward and just, I'm coming to put you out is a lot like Brock Lesnar's kind of attitude in the in the cage. Um, I think it's a lot of fun to see. Can Moreno keep him at bay? I think that's what makes this... I, I think this fight's going to be great because of that. I think Moreno's going to try to keep him at bay, move in and out, use his ability to pepper him with some really nice uh, combinations that he always seems to pull off, and Figueroa's just going to try to smash people. Um, I, I love it. I think Figueredo has too much for Moreno. I think he'll he'll get to him. He'll wear him down. It might not be in the first or second round like he has been winning, but I think he'll get to him eventually. And he's his ground and pound is crazy for flyweight level. Just elbows, uh, tr- getting people beat up and then taking their back and choking them or uh, getting an arm bar from, from just that person being exhausted trying to cover up. Um, it's been a lot of fun watching him, this the streak that he's been on. Uh, so I kind of ex- you know expect more of the same. Yeah, and um, you know for my first one I'll go down the card a little ways here with a fight that I'm really interested in seeing, and uh, that's Billy Quarantillo against Gavin Tucker. So this is at the 145 weight class, and so Billy Quarantillo hasn't lost since 2016, and he's been laying waste to people, knocking people out left and right. Uh, Gavin Tucker. His last loss came in 2017, uh, where he lost a decision to Rick Glenn. That's the only blemish on his record. Since then, uh, he submitted Sung Woo Chu at uh, UFC 240, and he submitted Justin James at UFC 174, UFC Fight Night 174 back in August. Uh, this is a, an interesting clash in styles in that the grappling game will be all about Gavin Tucker. The striking game, Billy Quarantillo is nasty. Yeah, he can punch, he can strike. I love the matchup here. I think it's a lot of fun. Quarantillo is a favorite in this fight right now, 
Um, but I think Gavin Tucker's got a shot if he can get him on the ground. He's got a ton of submissions on his record. He's 12-1, and one, and he's got uh, two, three, four, five, six, like six or seven submissions. Arm bars, rear naked chokes. Um, he's got a couple of knockouts. I think he's a well-rounded fighter that makes this fight closer than the odds have it. So I'm really excited to watch this fight on the undercard. Yeah, I'm going to go with an undercard fight for uh, my next one as well. Actually, it might be on the main card. This one was on the main well, card too. I'm so I, I think I don't know. I, this no, one this is, is not. No, it's not. Yeah, this one's not either. Uh, I think this one is the main, the undercard main event, if you will. Um, give me some Cub Swanson versus Daniel Pineda. These two guys have been around. They are both experienced. I mean, Pineda uh, was at 40, 40 professional fights, and Swanson. 37 professional fights. Both these guys are going to get after it. I think this should be a very entertaining... And and the thing with this fight is, you have two guys who are on a little bit of a streak. Pineda's won five in a row, including the last one beating Herbert Burns, Gilbert's younger brother. Younger, right? Yeah, yeah Herbert yeah, Burns is yeah. the younger brother, yeah. And then uh, Cub Swanson just beat Cron Gracie after having a few losses in a row. Um it should be a very good fight. Both these guys are trying to move back up the featherweight ladder, and I just love watching Cub Swanson fight, I'll, I'll admit. Um, he's one of my favorite. You know when he's in a fight, it's going to be very entertaining. Um, he can bring it, and Pineda's one who will match that, so I'm, I'm pretty pumped for that fight as well. What do you got next? I got Hanato uh, Moicano against Rafael Fiziev. So, Moicano, he's fought a lot of big names. Um, Fiziev comes off a decision win over Mark Diakisi, who's, you know, he's a nasty striker. Um, he also beat uh, Alex White at UFC Fight Night 162. Uh, he lost his uh, UFC debut to Magomed Mustafaev. Um, he got knocked out with a spinning back kick and then punches to follow. Um, but he's a, he's a really dangerous striker. He has... Uh, He's got KOs by flying knee, knees and punches, kicks to the body. Like, he's a, he's a dangerous, dangerous striker in Fiziev. And Hanato Moicano, listen to the people that he's fought, Tom. Chan Sung Jung, you know, the Korean zombie, right? Yeah. Uh, Jose Aldo. Cub Swanson. So he lost to Chan Sung Jung and Jose Aldo. Uh, got knocked out by both of them. He submitted Cub Swanson. He won a decision against Calvin Cater. He lost via submission to Brian Ortega, but that's nothing to be ashamed of. He won a decision against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, he beat Zubaira Tukagov. Uh, he beat Tom Ninamaki. He's won, uh, since he's been in the UFC, uh, you know, he's got six wins and three losses, but fighting tremendous competition. So this is a step up for Fiziev, and Fiziev has some talent there. So this is going to be a really fun fight at lightweight at 155. Guys that are looking to, you know, I think Fiziev's looking to climb that that yeah. ranking. Um, I, I'm excited to see what happens here. In the, I love when you get clash of styles mm -hmm. between guys. You get a guy who's great at grappling. You get a guy who's seasoned against somebody who's a dangerous striker. Um, you know, and I like Hanato Moicano to win the fight if, if you know, if you want to bet on it. So yeah, there's so many good fights on the main card. Junior Dos Santos is fighting the undefeated uh, Searle Gain, six and zero. He's just been 
beating people senseless. Kevin Holland versus Jackery Souza is nuts. Um, and then, of course, the, the co-main, Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira. And I'll throw this out there. Get on the get in early because the first fight of the night is Chase Hooper and Peter Barrett. And if you haven't seen Chase Hooper fight, it's very entertaining to watch. Super young, very lanky, does not look like a fighter. He's Peter Parker. Uh, he looks like Spider-Man. He looks like a boy. He's 9-1-1, though, and just a lot of fun to watch. Last time he took his first loss, last time out, it should be interesting to see how he responds. Yeah, um, he lost to Alex Caceres, who's been around yeah, forever. Yeah, and he just looked like the more seasoned fighter, especially in that on, fight. especially striking. He yeah. really took it to him. Hooper's a very um, credentialed uh, yeah. grappler. So yeah, he's got wins via rear naked choke, triangle oh, choke. Yeah. You know, he's he's a very good uh, ground guy. Um, he got a knockout win over Daniel Tamer in his UFC debut. Yeah, uh, last December. Which was surprising so. and fun. Right. So, I mean, yeah, just a great card. I think it's lacking some of the the top stars, but when you look at from the, the, the first fight of Chase Hooper to Peter Bear all the way to the main event, there's a lot of good fights and a lot of really good pro fighters in this card. Yeah, and, you know, you, you have to be excited when you see a card like this where every fight that comes up, you're like, this is going to be interesting to see. You got Charles Oliveira against Tony Ferguson. We haven't even talked about that one. Yeah. You know, Tony Ferguson back on the card fighting against Charles Oliveira. Uh, that's that's a great fight. It's, it's just really two guys that are, you know, Tony Ferguson, he comes off the loss to uh, uh, Gaethje. Yeah. Where, you know, Everything he was said, on the line. He said that he wasn't right for the fight either, yeah. you know, and whether you want to believe that or not, I, I don't know, but... He was on such a tear before that. Yeah. Um, he beat RDA, Kevin Lee, Anthony Pettis, and Donald Cerrone in a row before that loss to Gaethje. Um, and as his actually winning streak goes back even further, holy cow. So, you know, regather, now he's got a, another big fight, Charles Oliveira. So. Charles Oliveira has uh, consecutive wins over Clay Guida. Christos Giagos, Jim Miller, David Tamer, Nick Lentz, Jared Gordon, and Kevin Lee. He yep. has won seven in a row. Yep. His last loss came to Paul Felder in 2017. So, you know, and, and before that, he was fighting guys with some pretty big names. Um, you know, Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas. Um, those, are, those are the losses that he has. So, you know, Ferguson, is he on that level? You know, I'm not sure if he's still there. Um, but... You know, Oliver's been around a long time. He's fought all of his losses. When you look at them, they come against people that were in their prime, really good fighters. He got submitted by Jim Miller years ago and then comes back and beats him. And you know, then, lost to Cub Swanson in 2012 when Cub Swanson was at his peak. Yeah. And, and this fight is huge because this is 155. Khabib retired as the champ. Uh you know, there's going to be some some fights to be had to make a new champion here. Gaethje want is already out saying he wants it. He he fought Khabib. He wants it. Um, I think the winner of this has a chance to say, "Hey, we'll line up Gaethje. Let's go. Let's yeah. put that trap on the line for it." So, uh, I think a lot is on the line in that fight. And I think both of these guys have been around long enough to know that. Absolutely. Now, you know, let's kind of shift gears back to NFL talk. Hey, Tom. Yes, and. An insane slate of NFL games this week. Um, and one thing I wanted to share about that, if I can find my note here. 
Seven of the, I yes, this is the one. The yeah. top nine out among the top nine teams currently in the AFC picture, eight of them are playing each other. That's crazy. Eight of the top nine are playing against each other, um, and these games are all on my list for some of the biggest games. So we'll just go down. The number one seed right now is the Steelers. They're playing the Bills on Sunday Night Football. The number three seed, the current two seed Chiefs, are at the number six seed Miami Dolphins right now. On Monday Night Football, you have the number five seed Browns versus the nine seed Ravens. And the last game is the number seven Colts versus the number eight Raiders. This is just going to be a crazy weekend for the AFC. I think a lot of things are kind of going to get sorted out a little bit. And I mean, just those games are nuts. All of those games are going to be crazy to watch. Yeah, it's it. After kind of a humdrum slate last week that didn't have a whole lot of exciting games on it. Yeah, this one's loaded. It, it's just loaded. And, um, you know, what? what's the biggest game of the week? In your eyes, it has to be the Steelers-Bills, right? Yeah, I think I think that one for me is the biggest game of the week. Um, but you could really say any of those AFC games are huge because the the Las Vegas-Indianapolis game, these are two teams that are both playing for the same couple wildcard spots right now. And the Colts at 8-4 and four are going to Vegas 7-5. and five. The winner of that is going to have it. It's a huge win for either team. If you're Vegas and you win, you tie the Colts, and now you have a head-to-head win against them. If you're the Colts, you distance yourself from them. Uh, you know it, it's a really big game for both of those. And if you're the Colts, if you're tied right now record-wise with Tennessee, and they got the Jaguars. I mean, you have to think you got to keep winning to to keep pace. Yeah, and you know we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Andy Dalton revenge game, yeah. going back to Cincinnati with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if we really need maybe, to mention maybe that. Maybe one of the worst games on the slate. It is sure. weird the NFC does not have really a lot of good games. I think the two ones that I've worked on is um, the one that's intriguing to me is Minnesota at 6-6 six and six at Tampa Bay 7-5. and five. Minnesota's grinding for a playoff spot. Tampa yep. Bay hasn't been great lately. Um, Kirk Cousins is really good at 1 o'clock um, for whatever. He, yeah, he is. God unknown reason yeah. <laughs> um really fun game there too i think because that running game for for minnesota can uh make anything interesting and, and i love their receivers so yeah I, it's really strange how awful the nfc matchups are when you have all these great afc matchups this week but so let's jump into the games that we like this week Tom. Let's do some picks let's do some picks um start with some college picks yeah and uh why don't you fire us up with your first college pick of the week all right my first college pick of the week is georgia and missouri uh one of the games of the week we had mentioned and georgia's minus 13 and i'm gonna take the georgia bulldogs to cover and here's why they have six common opponents this season on average georgia has fared 15 points better in the six common games um Georgia, again, has a lot to play for here. They're trying to get into the New Year's Six Bowl. They know that they're, they're probably this win away will get them in to the conversation for one of these nice bowl games here. So I think Georgia, um, again, better performance week in, week out. Six games. It's not a small sample size for common opponents. So Elite defense against yes. an offense that's emerging. Yeah, so. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a fun game. But I think Georgia's just going to be too much for them. They're experienced in big games the last couple of years should help them as well. So give me Georgia minus the 13. All right. So let me jump in with my first pick of the week. And mine, uh, let's go to the Big 12. And I'm going to take Oklahoma State minus 5.5 against Baylor. 
Uh, Baylor does not have much on offense, and Oklahoma State is very solid defensively. Oklahoma State's coming off a game where they scored a bunch of points. It looks like they might be finding their stride on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I really think that <clears throat> I'm down on Baylor. This is this is really a, a down on Baylor pick. Yeah. Um, you give me Oklahoma State minus the I five and a half. State. Yeah, they're 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 a good. Their defense program. is solid this year, which kind of is a little surprising almost. And their offense, they have so many weapons. It's crazy. Yeah. So I, I'm on the Cowboys. Um, my second pick, I'm going to go with a, a pick that I made last week. I'm going to follow it back up again. One of the ones I lost on. Um, but I'm going to go with Florida minus 23 against LSU. Um, I think LSU's thrown in the towel. They had a couple of opt-outs again this week after the Alabama game. This seems like a team that's quit on the season. Coming off a championship victory last season, um, last so- week they showed nothing. Offensively, they don't have much. Um, Florida is still going to score. They're going to do their thing on offense, and I don't know if LSU can keep up. Florida would love to run up the score on LSU in this spot. Uh, yeah. They're fighting for a playoff spot here. Yeah, They need every impressive victory they can get. They need help, but they have to hold up their own first. Yep, so uh, give me the Gators minus the 23. Weird stuff happened in Baton Rouge. LSU, a self-imposed bull ban. Yeah. So there's some stuff that's going to come out from yeah. that. We'll see if... A lot of times when they do this preemptive strike, the NCAA still says, you know what, not enough. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with them. It, it could be a real big story going into next season. Yeah. Um, so this next one, I got a, it's a gut feeling game, which usually is bad. We're going to do it. I'm taking Wake Forest plus the, right now, well, yesterday it was one and a half. I don't know what it's at now, um, versus Louisville. I, I Both these teams are solid, not great. And Wake Forest has been playing some very good football. Um, I love the Wake Forest offense versus Louisville. And Wake Forest is 4-1 and one in their last five. Their only loss was to UNC. They lost 59-53. Um, this is a game you may want to take the over in. Just uh, throw that out there. But I really like Wake Forest. I think they've, they've found something on offense, and they're just really crushing. Louisville's been so up and down and unpredictable. Give me Wake Forest with the points. Yeah, I'm... All over that as well. I, I yeah. love Wake Forest this week. You're looking at me like you ever thought I was crazy. So, no, that was excitement in my eyes. <laughs> it's another podcast. Yeah. What do you got next? My Portland? last one: uh, Michigan State plus fourteen and a half versus Penn State. I don't think Penn State's good enough to be fourteen and a half point favorites versus pretty much anybody right now. Both of them have beat Michigan. Both have lost to uh, Indiana, Ohio State, Iowa. I think they're similar teams right now. I don't think I don't think Michigan State's necessarily better than Penn State, but I think they're good enough to be within 14.5 points. That spread is too big. I saw that number. I thought, what is going on here? I looked to see if anybody from Michigan State was on COVID. Did anyone get hurt that I didn't know about? I didn't see anything. So give me those points. Those points yeah. are juicy in a game where I don't think either team is very good. Yep. Um, my final pick of the week. I'm going to go to the biggest game of the week in, in my eyes, and I'm going to take Navy, plus seven. Um, rivalry game, neither team is playing very well this season. Um, I think that you know maybe Army's expectations were a little higher coming into the year. Um, Navy having lost Malcolm Perry at quarterback. and you know, But when you look at the, perform- the recent performances out of both teams, very unimpressive. Yeah. Um, I get seven points in an option game. Uh, with a team that's, I think, very similar in talent. 
I know that Army gets to host this, and they will have some some of the cadets in the in the stands. So probably about as raucous of an environment as you're going to get in 2020. Uh, but give me give me the middies. I'm going to take the middies plus the seven. And uh, What's the over under in that game. I'm trying to find it. Real I think quick. it was pretty low. 30, um, 37. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's it's one of those tried and true strategies to bet the under in these games. But yeah. I don't know if I can pull the trigger on thirty seven. I know that's I rough. Know. Ugh. All right, I like I like the getting the the uh, little service academy action on the on the podcast. Yeah, um, and NFL shifting picks. gears to the NFL. All right, I'll jump in with my first pick in the NFL, and uh, I'm going to go to one of the less than stellar games of the week. And I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars plus seven and a half against Tennessee. Oh my goodness! Oh, that must have been on Tom's card. I'm on the opposite side, though. Oh, are you? Yes. All right, let's do this then. I'm on Jacksonville because Tennessee has real problems on defense. They are having a terrible time stopping anyone at this point in time. They've they rallied big time last week against Cleveland. I like James Robinson in the running game for Jacksonville. And last week, Cleveland showed that you can run the ball and then play-action game is pretty good. Um, I think that 7.5 is too many. If it were at 7, I wouldn't even look at it. But I think the hook makes a difference for me. Um, I think the Jags, they find a way to hang in football games, too. Uh, Glennon's doing a decent job at quarterback. I think that there's some, some opportunity here for Jacksonville to hang in and make this a threat for Tennessee. Yeah, I'm on Tennessee, I think, minus seven and a half. The Titans need a win. Uh, you know, we just kind of went over that they're tied for their division lead. They have the, the lead right now due to tiebreakers. But they need to keep winning. On the When they have the ball, it will be the number five offense in the NFL. First Jacksonville Jaguars, number 32 defense. Um, I think they're going to pound the run. The, def- the Jaguars are the 30th um, defense against the run in the NFL. That plays into the Titans' strategy of just let Derrick Henry get us to where we need to go. The defense for the Titans isn't very good at 25, but the offense for the Jaguars, not any good either, 24. So it's almost a wash. Give me the team that has something to play for. Give me the team that's been a little healthier than the Jaguars. I don't know, DJ Shark, is he going to be able to play? It seems like he's going to be, but he's uh could be a game-time decision. And let me see. I So, again, Titans need the win. They're, I think their strength of running the ball really plays into a Jaguar big weakness. So, Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying as far as Tennessee coming out on top. I think that the Tennessee defense has scared me enough the last few weeks that I feel like Jacksonville can get close enough in this game, and Tennessee might have to pull one out a little later than they wanted to. It's really going to depend. If the Jaguars can't get any stops, yeah. then, then you're going to be the right side in this. The Jaguars' D is going to have to step forward here a little bit um, and and have have not quit on the season. That's that's an important thing, too, yeah. and that's always a risk when and, you're taking an underdog. And have they quit on Marone? For some reason, Marone's still hanging around there. Yeah. It may be one of those things where the Jaguars are just over it. So Yeah. Um, I like that one. Do you want to go with your number two? Or do yeah, you I'll go with my number two pick. Um uh, my second pick of the week is my lock of the week here, um, and I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills minus one and a half against Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh is beat up terribly on defense right now, especially at the linebacker core. This is what they call cluster injuries um, with the loss of Devin Bush, Robert Spillane, and now Vince Williams goes on the COVID reserve list. Uh, they have really no healthy inside linebackers. 
Uh, Buffalo is going to be able to expose the middle of the defense, uh, particularly with some drag routes, some short ins, stuff like that. Um, some um, Cole Beasley. Yeah, Cole Beasley, um, maybe even Dawson Knox uh, gets involved. Um, the running game that's been anemic for Buffalo uh, may have an opportunity to succeed this week as long as they run away from T.J. Watt and, <laughs> and can find a way to double-team Stephon Tuitt. Yeah. Um, you know, the defensive line is the strength for Pittsburgh. Um, my, the only thing that would scare me is if they get a lot of pressure on Josh Allen uh, early in the game and create some turnovers. Uh, the secondary is really good for Pittsburgh, so the strength of Pittsburgh's defense really does play against Buffalo a little bit. Um, the other thing is Buffalo's health on, on the defensive side of the ball. They're healthy, um, and that's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, they're starting to get some continuity. Milano was back last week kind of sharing some time a little bit. Yeah. A.J. Klein is developing, understanding where he what his role is in this defense and making some plays. Um, I think that they'll be able to do enough defensively to slow down the Steelers, and I think that Buffalo wins this game, and I think they win it relatively comfortably unless – unless the turnovers happen. If Josh Allen makes mistakes, that, yeah. that's the one area where the, things can go awry. The one advantage the Bills do have is they got to play a healthy Pittsburgh defense last year yeah. at the end of the season. Pittsburgh's offense was god-awful, right? but their defense was full bore last season when yeah. they played them, so they kind of seen a little bit of that. And the Bills' offense is feeling really comfortable and really good about themselves right now. Dayball is really hitting his stride, calling plays, being creative, um, you know, really finding – Finding things that he sees and likes from other teams. I saw a thing today on Twitter um, where Tyreek Hill had run like the jet motion and then wheel route right right after it um, the week prior, and that was McKenzie's touchdown. Uh, The next week, it was really, it was really. He saw something, he liked it, he implemented it, and it worked again. And the pass to Knox, where he almost got in the end zone the second time, that was a play that the Chiefs ran with Kelsey. So definitely steal it, man. Yeah, Make it work. Yeah, if you find something you like, you see something creative, or you've got it in your playbook, and you decide, oh yeah, it's time to break that out. You know, I, I think that he's really doing a great job as the play caller right now. All right, my next pick, I have Arizona minus two at the Giants. Um, I think this is an interesting matchup as well of Arizona's fun, creative, wide offense versus the Giants' very surprisingly very good defense. They've been awesome on defensive side. But I think it's the other side of the ball where the Giants just, they're going to try to run the ball against Arizona. That's what they do, and they're going to try to do some passes. But I just think Arizona um, is good enough and has a lot to play for. Both these teams obviously are going to be gearing to go. The Giants are still in the mix for this (laughs) NFC East title, and the Cardinals have to keep winning if they want to make the playoffs this year. They've had a couple setbacks, so I think this is a get-right game for Arizona. Kyler Murray's going to make some big plays. Give me that minus two. I was surprised when I saw it was only minus two, so give me the cards. All right. And uh, want me to go with my money line pick of the week first? Or well, you? I got one more NFL game here. Yeah. My NFL game, my last NFL game will be the Cowboys versus the Bengals. Taking the over. 42 and a half. It's not a lot of points in an NFL game. Dallas is averaging 21 points a game with Andy Dalton at quarterback. And during those last few games with Dalton, the defense is allowing 34 points. They can get to their average right now. We're 10 points over the the uh, what we need to get to the over. The Bengals have been scoring the ball. They're able to move it a little bit. So give me that over 42 and a half. All right. Um, last play of the week is going to be my money line pick. Uh, money line pick hit last week with Detroit. 
Yeah. Uh, really excited about that. You know, I saw vulnerability last week in uh, the San Francisco 49ers, and I'm going to go with the Washington football team at plus 150. San Francisco, it, so first of all, Washington's fighting for the division title still. Yeah. San Francisco's really loss last week really put them in a difficult spot to have any chance at making the playoffs in the NFC. Nick Mullins is not getting it done. Uh, if they switch to C.J. Beathard, he's not going to get it done. Washington has a tremendous defensive front. Uh, they create pressure on the passer. If they get in the backfield and create any pressure on Mullins, he's going to turn it over. I, I love what Alex Smith is doing, dinking and dunking, making the smart decisions, um, finding the open guys. A uh, little concerning about Antonio Gibson, but you know what? Peyton Barber can do the job. He, he's not as explosive as Gibson, but Peyton Barber's going to step in and do the job. J.D. McKissick will get his opportunities, um, you know, in, in the receiving game particularly. Uh, I love Ron Rivera as a coach. I think that Washington is playing better football right now. I think that I'm very concerned about that San Francisco defense as well. It, it just, it, they were exposed last week again. Um, it's happened periodically over the course of the season, but they've got some injuries on the defense. They they created no pass rush with with four guys last week. I, they were not putting any pressure on unless they blitzed. Yeah. And if you do that against Alex Smith, he's going to find the open guy underneath. He's going to make the smart decision. He's not going to turn it over, and Washington's going to win the football game. Uh, my money line pick of the week is. A really short underdog. I'm taking the Bears at home, hosting Houston. Houston, you screwed me last week in the money line. You had the ball, second and goal, about to score. You're at what? I think it was the two. Yeah. A bad snap, fumble. You you lose the ball. Give me a break. So now I'm going against the. I'm going to take the Bears, plus one ten at home. Short dog. They're like one and a half right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like that spot. And, then, and they played a good football game last week and then blew it late. Yeah. You know, this is Which a nice do. bounce back spot. You know, they're they're still fighting for a wild card spot in that NFC. Yes. And if they can get things right, that defense can make a huge difference. So um, you know, I, I don't think that they're by any means finished for the season. Right. But they've got to get it right and get it right quick. And they have to win this game. Yeah. I mean it's one of their easier games left. They gotta make it happen. Yeah. So a new addition to our picks of the week is we're going to come out with Hammered Sports Consensus Pick. So this is one that Kevin and I have discussed, and we both agree is a great spot for you to make some dough. And this week we're going with Iowa plus two. Against Wisconsin. Whiskey. The last time that Wisconsin played a team similar to Iowa was against Northwestern, and they lost the game. They could do nothing on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Iowa has, they've ripped off, what, three or four in a row now? I think it was uh, four, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I like what Iowa's got going Scratch right now. Five in a row. Five in a row, yeah. So, Iowa's figured some things out now, and I really like what they've got going on, and I am not a fan of what's happening in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, they had high hopes coming into the season, uh, expected to be in the uh, Big Ten title game. They are not. Yeah, this is now um, Iowa's opportunity to show that they're continuing to grow. I think that Iowa short dog at home against whiskey. I don't like Wisconsin here. So 
Iowa is five and two. And this is not your old Iowa team where they're grinding out 19 to six wins. In their five wins, their last five games, they've scored 49, 35, 41, 26, 35. They're putting up points and holding opponents to 7, 7, 21, 20, 21. So they're beating these teams very handily recently. Um, obviously, all Big Ten games looking good. They also lost to Northwestern, but it was by one point in a game where they really should have won that game yeah. with Northwestern. They had every chance to do that. Everything so. tells me I was the spot here. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't understand why they're the dog here. I think they should be three or four-point favorites. Um so let's take advantage and let's get the Hammer Sports Consensus pick off to a 1-0 start. Go Hawkeyes. Go Hawkeyes. All right. That's going to put a wrap on the podcast tonight. Next week. Yeah. What do we got? Next week we got NFL action is going to continue. We're going to do some NBA, more NBA divisions. College championship preview for college football. Really exciting time. A few big games. And the Hammer takes um, topic. Who should be in the college football playoff? We'll run down a few scenarios for some championship game shenanigans and what we think could or should happen. Uh, should be a lot of fun to talk about. All right, guys. It's been fun getting back to this style, talking, mixing it up a little bit, digging in on some new topics. So uh, we're excited to keep going with things here, and we'll see you all next week. See you.